We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Guys, week two of training camp is officially done. Moving into week three now. But before we get into that, we want to talk about some of the position battles versus some of these players and positions. So far from what we have seen, again, guys, this is early. A lot more to take into consideration as time goes along. And for this video as well, it's not going to just be between particular players. Some of this can also include battles amongst within the position itself or different positions battling other positions. So we'll explain a little bit more as we go along. But Cody, I think the number one battle that everyone has really been talking about throughout training camp so far has been between newly acquired Stephon Gilmore and most recently drafted wide receiver Alec Pierce. We've been hearing a lot about these two going head-to-head, hearing that the Colts really are putting Stephon Gilmore on Alec Pierce practically every play when we're seeing the 7-on-7, the 11-on-11, things of that nature. So, I mean, we have seen it, and everyone is saying this is only going to make Pierce a better wide receiver going up against tremendous and smart talent and Stephon Gilmore. What do you make of this matchup so far? I think it's the best thing that could happen to Alec Pierce going in his rookie season because he's going to be facing some really good corners. Like he's going to have to beat some of these guys. So just kind of throwing him in the fire early, if you will, in terms of just giving Stephon Gilmore, making him be on him, making life honestly difficult on the rookie. I think those things are going to serve him extremely well whenever the life bullets do come, you know, whenever he has to play some of those really, really good number two corners out there, you know, and he's going to have an opportunity to make some plays you know somebody in this wide receiver room is going to have to take the pressure off of Michael Pittman Jr. and has to be that clear-cut number two all of us would point to Alec Pierce and I think the Colts feel like obviously they drafted him super high so they feel like he has the opportunity and they do feel like he you know because they believe in him so much they're going to give him the hardest battles right away and so for me I, I think it's perfect you know I think it's absolutely perfect because you know there still could be some things that could help out you know Pittman versus Gilmore every play but Pittman's a little bit more proven, right? He's done it in this league a little bit more. So is Gilmore. So why wouldn't you do that? I would, and in the same breath, I think you'd put 
you know, maybe you'd want to put maybe you have more of an Isaiah Rogers on on a Michael Pittman, you know, kind of getting these young guys up to speed with what it takes to be a really good player to a Pro Bowl slash all pro kind of player. If you're going to want to do that one day, you're going to have to face a guy that's been there. And you talked about Stefan Gilmore and his obviously we know his ability. You know, he's he has a potential to be one of the best corners in the league this year, but also he's so crafty, right? He's so crafty back there. He's been in the league for, you know, nearly a decade and he can kind of, you know, show Alec Pierce some things that he's going to see his rookie year. You know, he can change things up, make life a little bit more difficult so that when Alec Pierce gets out there week one, he's not as surprised as maybe he would be if he was playing against, you know, Isaiah Rogers, Brandon face on, because he's going to get, you know, he's getting those live reps now and it can only make him better, right? You know, the old cliche saying that iron sharpens iron. Well, I think in this instance, it's really sharpening Alec Pierce to become that wide receiver number two. And with how desperate the Colts needed a wide receiver number two, I think it only will serve to make him better. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, the Colts really believe in Alec Pierce and on top of, you know, saying how mentally mature he is. So, you know, handling that kind of pressure right off the bat, they feel comfortable in him being able to do that. And, and like you said, it, when he goes out week one, having faced a really good corner in Stefan Gilmore, you feel like when you go out there week one and you're facing freaking Bradley Roby or something, Bradley Roby ain't as good as Stefan Gilmore. So you're thinking I can exploit this guy in a couple different ways that maybe I couldn't do against Stefan in camp. Now, what do you say for the other guys who are saying, this is a good thing for Gilmore as well, because I mean, let's face it, Alec Pierce, six, six, three, 215 pounds. Guy can run a four, three has a 40 inch vertical. I mean, this guy is an athletic freak and you're not only asking, you know, Stefan Gilmore to be better for Alec, which you definitely think he can be, but Stefan's got no easy. That's not an easy thing to guard either. You know, he's, he's taller than Stefan. He's more athletic than Stefan. He might even be stronger than Stefan in some areas. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that going up against Pierce more often in these situations might help uh, Stefan a little bit with facing a different kind of skill set from Alec? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe you wonder, okay, when he gets past that 30 mark, has he lost a step? You know, is he a little bit slower? Is he not react as fast to these certain situations? So to put a, a rookie who, you know, we talked about, he's got speed now. He, you know, as big as he is, he's similar in Pittman in the way that he's actually a little, he's pretty fast for his size. Very. So I think that on top, we talked about the athletic ability, those things like that. Those will just help a guy like Stephon Gilmore to be able to, you know, just just get back to where he needs to be as a corner, you know, in this league. If he's facing some of those guys that are, because he's going to be, you know, I think the comparison a lot of people have made, uh, you know, to um, to Alec Pierce is like. Uh, Chris Godwin from Tampa Bay. I think I've heard that comparison a little bit and uh, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be facing some really good corners, some really good or some really good wide receivers. So yeah, I mean, I think overall it, it obviously helps both sides a lot. And I think for Gilmore, it's more just getting back to speed coming off of that injury. But I do think it is obviously beneficial for him as well to go against a younger guy who has that kind of speed and has that kind of athletic ability 
to just get his confidence back and say, yeah, you know, I can still be that guy for the foreseeable future for the Colts. But obviously, I think it's not, you know, in terms of what who's gaining what, I think Alec Pierce clearly yeah. is gaining more out of this than mm-hmm. Stephon Gilmore is. And, and I don't think you have to worry, obviously, as much about Gilmore coming back and, and being an impact player right away. With Pierce, he is a rookie. You do have questions. I think we would say that about any player. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I think this is a really good matchup and one that I'm all for personally. Absolutely. Well, let's stick with the cornerback versus wide receiver room here. Then we'll go to a different matchup battle amongst a different position. But you wanted to mention Isaiah Rogers in this. And I really don't even think we have to just go with Pierce here. We can kind of talk about Rogers versus the wide receiver group in general. Uh, I think we all can agree that, you know, Isaiah Rogers has been on the unfortunate end of a couple of, uh, big highlight reels from some of these Colts players over the last two weeks. You know, we saw the Alec Pierce uh, touchdown catch when you and I were there. We saw that one. Uh, Ashton Doolin just a few days ago going up and just mossing Isaiah Rogers, right? I mean, all over that one, it was a spectacular play by Ashton Doolin. You know, there's, there's things like that that, you know, it has caused some people for some reason to question whether or not Isaiah Rogers is all the way there or not. Now, again, this is only Isaiah Rogers' third year in this system. So I think we, for people like me, especially who think that Isaiah Rogers is clearly going to be uh, the number two corner in this system, the number two outside corner, uh, he is still young and he's still improving and he's still having to learn some of these things. But I mean, we can talk about just how good is it for Rodgers to get this kind of experience? He said it when you and I were in the uh, press conferences after the practice. I think it was either you or someone else that asked about uh, Rodgers going up against these wide receivers that are 6'3", 6'4", you know, guys that dwarf him in size and are just as athletic as he is. So how that impacts him in a way that he's able to, you know, improve on that what do you think about Rodgers versus this young wide receiver core I think it's good for him it's really good for him to to get beat a couple times you know because he's going to learn from those things I mean you always say it right the the best teacher is failure right and and if Isaiah Rodgers is getting beat he's going to work hard to make sure that doesn't happen and and, you know if you're going to get beat and these plays are going to happen you'd rather them happen in training camp and get those things figured out as opposed to you know when you're vying for a playoff spot down the stretch, you know what I mean? Right. So I think it's good for Isaiah Rogers to have some plays where he's, he's getting beat, you know, cause he's gonna, it's not like it's going to change when he's playing some of these, if he's going to be the cornerback too, he's going to play some of these big wide receivers. It's good for him to get this experience now in playing some of these guys that are, are taller than him. Like you talked about, but also just as athletic. So I think it's good for Isaiah Rogers to, to kind of get, uh, get his butt handed to him a couple plays, you know, cause he has still made some plays too. It's not yeah. act like he's just been, you know, getting beat every play. He hasn't, you know, he's made some nice plays as well. So I think it's just going to serve him well down the stretch uh, to just have some practices where, or some plays where things don't go his way. And how does he respond to that? How does he grow? How does he learn from Mike Mitchell and Ron Milas? How does he, what does he, you know, see, what do they see in his game? How does he watch film? How does he do these things? Cause I think we would all say Isaiah Rogers has a great opportunity here uh, to really ascend into that number two corner spot for the foreseeable future, potentially number one, we'll see. Uh, but, all that to say, like, this is the time for him to sharpen up his skills because he did have a good season last year. And it could be very easy for him or any player 
you know, to just be like, wow, I was really good. And just expect that you're going to be that number two corner next year. And I think it's good for him to learn. You're going to have to earn it, man. You're not just going to be given this position. You know, you're going to have to earn this. You're going to have to beat out and be clearly better than Brandon face on. If you want to be that number two corner, you know? And so for as young as he is, he's still got a lot to, to grow in and a lot to improve in. Um, but I think it's good for him ultimately because as he's continuing to grow and as he's continuing to turn into that corner that the Colts all hope he can be, um, these experiences in camp, they're going to serve him a long way towards when the season gets started here in a couple months. Yeah, I mean, definitely he has the confidence in himself to be able to say, I'm putting my chips down on me. You know, we saw over the offseason, you know, people wondering who's going to be the guy that steps up in a big way this year when it comes to third year improvement. And I mean, Rogers said, it's going to be me. And I mean, I, I love the attitude that he has certainly is not, he is not a loser, man. He definitely goes out and tries his absolute damnedest in order to be able to get exactly where he wants. And it is a great challenge for him because he, it, they possess skill sets that he does not have. And that's just ultimately is that's something he can't uh, he can't gripe over. He just has to find a way to improve on it. And, you know, like you said, just learning these failures uh, is definitely going to improve him a little better. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the highlights always stick out, right? I mean, you and right. I talked about it in our uh, discussing of training camp when we went the next three plays after when Isaiah Rogers was guarding every wide receiver that there were three straight incompletions, right? But nobody remembers that. Everyone just remembers Pierce mossing Rodgers and Ashton Doolin mossing Rodgers. That's all that you remember, right? But, of course, the other six or seven plays that don't get talked about where Isaiah Rodgers won the rep, you know, we just don't talk about it as much. So I love it. I love that, you know, these wide receivers are making plays. I love that. Um, and that's another thing that, you know, we talked about with Gilmore trying to benefit off Pierce. I mean, Gilmore Gilmore doesn't have the speed that Rodgers has. Rodgers has way more speed than what uh, Stephon Gilmore has nowadays. So that's that's another thing that these wide receivers are learning to deal with is, you know, you're not going to burn Rodgers when it comes to uh, that corner matchup, right? So it helps those wide receivers. They know they're going to have to make a contested catch over Isaiah Rogers when they're going against him. So it's always a great thing to kind of have that understanding as well. What's going on, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick moment to talk with you about Odds Trader. Odds Trader is a place to compare odds from all major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sportbooks to get the best deal possible. Odds Trader allows you to make bets on almost every major sport. Some of the cool features that I enjoy about Odds Trader is the handicapping options they provide. You get live play-by-play -play updates. You get live scores and bet tracking on everything that you're doing on the app. Player statistics, key game statistics. You even get projected game day weather reports as well. And the, another great thing about Odds Trader is you get Bet Tracker, which allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activities while you're on the site. I mean, how cool is that? If this is something that sounds like it intrigues you, make sure to go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets.
Yeah. Um, before we move on here, I had a couple points that I wanted to touch on as well. I think it definitely helps as well to have such an accurate quarterback that they're playing against. You know, Matt Ryan is deadly accurate. We've all seen it in camp. We've heard different things, how good he is. I mean, you're going to play some really accurate quarterbacks when you're playing. You're going to play some elite quarterbacks, you know, good to great quarterbacks that you're going to be facing against, especially in that AFC West if all goes well. You know, so you're going to have to be on your A game. So to have a quarterback that can fit into those tight windows it's only going to help Stefan Gilmore Kenny Moore Isaiah Rogers Brandon face on all these DBs it's going to help them you know figure out you know a little bit more and be expecting that and be on their a game right away you know I think it's only going to benefit them and also one thing you mentioned about Rogers especially is how do you respond from getting beat you know we saw a couple times last year when Isaiah Rogers got beat um, you know, he had to be, you know, I think it was, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Kenny. I don't remember who exactly said, they're like, come on, man, you're better than that. You know? And so like, how do you respond from the failure? You know, do you let it get in your head and then you just keep getting exposed or do you step it up and do you make a play the next time? You know, like, cause every single corner in this league is going to get beat. They're going to get beat a couple times a game at least. Um, so how do you respond when you get beat? You know, do you sulk? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Do you throw yourself a pity party? Or do you go out there and do you respond? And that and that's a big thing for Isaiah Rogers is like you talked about, after he gets beat, he comes back and he plays phenomenal. He has lockdown coverage on the corners. Yep. So I think I'm more encouraged by that than him getting beat on the highlight plays like you talked about. Because it seems like on the surface that he's responding well to, you know, getting beat. He's responding well to losing reps. And it doesn't seem to bother him as much as no, what it did. Not at all. Especially last year. You know, I think it bothered him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But learning that you're not going to win every rep, you know, kind of similar to Alec Pierce as well. Like, you know, it's funny when Reggie was talking about him, he's like, What was your message? What's been your message to Alec? You said, just relax. You know, you can't you can't be perfect. Like, you know, and that's that's the same with Isaiah Rogers. It's like just learning that obviously you want to make every play, but reality is you can't make every play. And that's okay. You know, like that, you just make the plays when you're supposed to make the plays and learn from your failures and move forward. And it seems like that's been a big, you know, thing for Isaiah Rogers that I feel like he's really gaining from even a guy like Stephon Gilmore is just like, hey, man, just move on to the next play, make a play next, next play, you know, make, make, win the next rep, basically. And so I think that's going to be super beneficial for him moving forward. And that's why I was obviously so excited to get a Gilmore who gets that and who understands that a little bit more. So, yeah, all that to say, I think the addition to Matt Ryan, just the way he's able to get balls to his receivers is definitely helping these DBs. And also just having a vet like Stephon Gilmore is helping a, a young guy, especially like Isaiah Rogers. So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. All right, let's move to the offensive line and defensive line here. Uh, the one individual matchup that we obviously wanted to keep an eye on, that was Yannick Ngakwe versus Matt Pryor. We know the left tackle position is still up for grabs when it comes to that, but Reich mentioned that Pryor was going to get the start, you know, at least at the beginning. So we're going to see how that works. Yannick, ever since coming into camp and doing the one-on-ones against Pryor, it seems as though Yannick has had his number more times than not. Uh, So, you know, when it comes to that, Cody, we're going to figure out a few more weeks from now if that's going to continue to change or if that's going to stay the same. But is it, does it like, does it impress you that Yannick's coming in right away and is, you know, setting the tone on that left side edge? Or is it concerning that, you know, Pryor is, you know, getting bullied a little bit from Yannick Ngakwe right now? Yeah. 
That's a good question. It's hard to, you know, see exactly. And again, we'll probably get a better feel for this when he's not facing, you know, one of the better pass rushers in the league, you know, like how much do you quantify that? Obviously we don't think Matt Pryor's a great or even elite left tackle at this point. So, you know, how much of that is just like Yannick's just a a great player and, you know, he's going to have those wins against a player who's honestly never played left tackle really in his career at, in the NFL level. Um, So, you know, how much of that do you just kind of quantify him, you know, to Yannick just being a great player and, and Matt Pryor just still learning the position, honestly. So, yeah, I mean, Matt Pryor, let's be honest, he's not really like a super athletic left tackle. So he, he can't, you know, Yannick's more that speed guy, especially. So it's really a matchup made in, you know, heaven for Yannick and a nightmare for Matt Pryor. But, and that's why I think there are concerns like, can he flip, flip over to left tackle because he's not the most athletic tackle and he's going to be facing some players like Yannick Ngakwe over there who are going to beat you with speed. And if he's already getting whipped, it's a little bit concerning. I'll just say that, but we'll see if he can continue to settle into the position because it is still new for him. And maybe if he continues to struggle, maybe Bernard Ryman gets a little bit more of a look because he is more of that athletic tackle on that left side. But, you know, obviously right now, you know, Pryor's really the only one that's been getting reps with the ones. So maybe the preseason will be a little bit more illuminating to kind of see like, okay, who actually is going to be your left tackle come week one. But right now it's hard to say. Yeah, it it definitely is a little concerning because you're looking at it from who are they playing this year and you know, you're going to face guys like Josh Allen. You're going to face guys like uh, Joey Bosa. You're going to face TJ Watt. You're going to face, um, when you're looking at the Raiders, you're looking at Max Crosby. You know, you're looking at some really elite defensive linemen that Matt Pryor's going to have to go against this next year. So Hopefully, you know, the Colts will, as they go further into camp, they start developing a few packages to be able to help prior on that side. When We kind of talked about it last year at times when Fisher was struggling, talking about using a tight end and sometimes going away from that side just to make it easier uh, on Matt Pryor's sake. But of course, like you said, Matt Pryor is still learning this position and you can do all the mental reps and all the practice reps that you want in uh, the preseason and the offseason, but when the pads finally come on, it's a different it's a different story, right? And that it's a completely different animal. So he's getting his first taste of left tackle in this league, and you know, like we mentioned with Gilmore and Pierce being thrown into the fire against one of the league's best is going to be a great thing for you because you're only going to face guys that are better. And he's going to face a lot of really good guys this year. So having that experience from somebody like Ngakwe who has that combination of speed and power off the edge is going to be a good thing for Matt Pryor. So yeah, it's a little concerning off the bat, but I'm going to give it a little bit more time. I'm going to give it a chance to see how it develops as well, we go yeah. further on. Well, I'll just say this. It's not like Yannick Ngak was only beating Matt Pryor. He was actually beating Braden Smith sometimes too. Yeah. So maybe it is more Yannick's just on another level right now um, as opposed to Matt Pryor's just struggling, you know, because like we would all say Braden Smith is one of the better right tackles in the league, but, you know, um, Yannick Ngakwe maybe is just that much better right now in camp. So it's hard to say right now, but you're right. I think it certainly will help him out. Uh, to play against, you know, one of the better offensive tackles and let's be or one of the better edge guys out there. But let's let's be honest, though, this isn't even nearly as concerning as last year with Sam Tevy 
you know, getting beat by guys like Ben Banigou out there. It's not yeah. nothing like that, you know? Yeah. So, it's, that's not, that's nowhere near concerning. You're absolutely right. That is, that is, uh, you have to put it in perspective. Context really matters yeah. in that sense. And, you know, it was funny cause I t- did talked about that in the video, uh, that I did for you yesterday. Uh, Steven Holder, I think mentioned that, you know, people are wondering the defense winning in camp is, that due to the fact that the offense is not in rhythm or is it just the fact that the defense just looks that much better? And I think Stephen Holder even mentioned the fact that, you know, they're going against Matt Ryan. This is different than going up against Carson Wentz yeah. and even Phillip Rivers before, you know, Phillip Rivers didn't have like all off season to get acquainted with these guys. So the fact that the defense is doing as good as it is with a full off season of Matt Ryan being in the building and connecting with this offense already kind of just gives you the understanding that maybe the defense is elevating itself a little bit more. So the context of that argument really matters there. Oh, you look at all the talent they've added, right? I mean, they have some breakout candidates on the defensive line on top of getting a proven veteran. They've completely revamped that defensive line from where it was a couple years ago. And, you know, even, you know, with Philip Rivers, that is. And even like, you know, just adding another Stephon Gilmore back there, who still, we would argue, probably fringe top five corner when he's healthy. Uh, those things go a long way for your defense and getting a healthy Julian Blackman who has looked absolutely spectacular in camp and getting Nick Cross in there who has actually looked pretty good himself. Uh, you know, I think this is like the most exciting defense the Colts have had, honestly, in a long time there. Probably, probably in close to 15 years. And they're doing all this without Shaquille Leonard on the field. Exactly. I mean, and to think about that for a hot second, your best defensive player isn't even out on the field. And yet the defense has been making some plays that have caused people to take notice. So that's great. Thing. Yes. Uh, let's look at the interior line versus the interior D line. Apparently Cody, the interior defensive line has really been doing everything they've wanted inside over the last few days. Uh, DeForest Buckner, I think it was Thursday's practice. They said that you couldn't guard him. I mean, he just literally went through everyone like it was bread and butter. I mean, it was so easy for him. And we've heard Dio Dangbo is getting some reps inside. He's been doing really well this camp so far. Grover Stewart's had uh, his moments. And you're trying to find some guys on the interior uh, and depth pieces that are going to help out. Um, We've seen Eric Johnson and Curtis Brooks going against the backups. Eric Johnson's been doing pretty well. So, and then obviously throughout the preseason, we're going to see more of these guys, which is really going to be exciting. I can't wait to see like Eric Johnson, Curtis Brooks, and some of these other guys get some of those reps that we need to see. But how do you, how do you feel about this matchup, man? Cause from what it sounds like the interior D line has been given this offensive line, the interior run for its money. Yeah, well, that's that's great to hear because I mean we already know a good majority of that interior offensive line. You know, my biggest question mark is Danny Pinter, obviously right guard. You know, can he handle that? You know, and and I don't know if he's it's been more Danny Pinter's been struggling or just that interior offensive line is struggling. But I certainly think you know we know center and right and left guard. We know that they're top players at their position. So yes. for that, it, it should be exciting for everybody because. The defense to, the, for the defensive line to do that, what they've been able to do against really like 
two, maybe even three really good offensive linemen, that should get guys excited, you know? And it should get guys excited about this new scheme, about the new defensive line coach, Nate Ollie, with what he's been able to get out of some of these guys. And you know, it's funny, and again, take this as you will, but there was an article that came out uh, recently, I believe it was Zach Kiefer that, that posted it, uh, talking about Ben Banigou, who, you know, we've yes. talked about a little bit, but he said it feels good to have a defense – are defensive coaches that believe in you. You know, I don't know how much that is just from one guy's perspective, but you know, that goes a long way, you know, regardless of how you feel about it, regardless of you feel like, you know, Eberflus didn't do that or not. I mean, who are we to say? Uh, the, the reality is when you, you feel that it does help you get more confident, like, okay, they're going yes. to put the best players on the field. They believe that if I put in the work and I do what I need to do, I'm going to earn some playing time. You know, and they believe in me. They believe I can do that. And that goes a long way for these guys. And it feels like the Colts have instilled confidence in their defensive line. You know, they've invested so much, but also they, you know, outside of Yannick Ngakwe and a couple draft picks, they kind of told these young defensive linemen, they said, We believe it. We believe you are yeah. our future. You know, that and goes that should all go a long way, way not for their just confidence. for the DC. That's not just right. for the DC. That's position coaches all exactly. alike. I mean, yep. the, we've seen them do an overhaul. I mean, Eberflus took our entire defensive staff with them and take Ben Banigou's word for what he uh, he said. It it looks different, does it not? I mean, it looks different and it feels different. It doesn't even have to be true, but the fact that it looks different, it gives. Uh, it gives support to Ben Banigou's argument with that because, I mean, he and he took and we're going to talk about him in another video here shortly. But, you know, in that same article, I remember that he said that, you know, he took accountability for what was going on. But you're right. the It never seemed like everyone was keen on everything that was happening, whether that be with Eberflus or whether that was with the position coaches in and of itself. We all remember how bad Brian Baker was as the defensive line coach. So I probably had a lot to do with it. Uh, we'll see if Ollie is going to be, you know, somebody that does install that confidence more in these other young guys. So far, it's looked really good for them, especially on the edge. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great for these young guys to start showing out already. You know, like that is very encouraging because we felt like obviously the ceiling's high. The Colts invested high draft picks. But I don't know about you, Derek, but I always felt like Quiddy Pay and Dio Dangbo, they were a little bit different than the other guys the Colts had drafted early, right? They're a little bit different. I feel like they're a little bit more ready to make an immediate impact right away. Um, and obviously Dio couldn't his rookie year because of the injury. Now he's back to 100%. We're starting to see that come to fruition a little bit. And so it seems like so far, and we've kind of seen this wherever Gus Bradley's gone, it seems like the pass rush and specifically the defensive line has typically been a beneficiary of this scheme. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it really is coming down to, you know, utilizing these players talent a little bit more in different ways than what we did with the previous system. Hopefully it's practically the same system, but just changing a few ways that guys do things. And yeah. that might be installing some new confidence in some of these guys who originally thought that their talents were being wasted by a staff that wasn't exactly utilizing everything that they could do. So it, that'll continue to be something fun to watch. Can't wait for the preseason games to watch some of those guys. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun, but let's move back to some of the offenses here. Uh, we're going to the tight end room. Uh, we're going to talk about the tight end room and the running back room, but tight end room first. So we do the matchup here because 
we kind of already know Jelani's going to get a spot here. We know Molly Cox is going to get a spot here. But we were talking about the idea of Andrew Ogletree being on this roster when it starts. And I know that you and I have piggybacked this idea off of a couple different Colts content creators. I know Zach Hicks has been talking about it a lot on the Locked On Network that the Colts really could potentially go with four tight ends because of how good Ogletree has been in training camp so far and with his skill set just makes you think, man, it just be really sucky to put that kind of talent on the practice squad and have that go to waste. Yep. It's pretty con- I, I, I'm pretty confident now. You know, after hearing a couple strong days from Ogletree back to back, I think it's pretty likely the Colts keep four tight ends and five wide receivers at this point. I mean, there's so much unproven a wide receiver outside of your top four right now that really, if you kept five, it's not the end of the world at all, you know, because you do have also, and Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have talked about this, you have a Naheem Hines who can line up in the slot, who could kind of be your wide receiver six, if you will, um, if needed. So, you know, but you don't have another guy that could be a tight end four, if you yeah. get what I'm saying. So it makes a lot of sense to keep these guys who are having strong camps. I mean, I would rather personally have four tight ends and five wide receivers because I feel like tight ends can enable you to do a lot more in terms of the run game as well. So, yeah, for me, I think it's pretty obvious that all four of these tight ends will probably make the final roster. Um, and the cool thing is I think they'll all be kind of used in different ways because Kylan Granson, who's a guy that you know has been dogged on a lot recently for some good reason, um, he actually had a strong day at camp in a couple days yeah. ago. So he's still looking good too, and he's a completely different kind of tight end than what the Colts do have on the roster. So people who are saying I don't think he's going to make the roster, I mean, I mean think again, he's going to make the roster yeah. because he gives the Colts you know more of that receiving threat as opposed to any of the other tight ends they have on their roster. You know, you talk about a guy like. Ogletree, he wasn't even really drafted to be a receiving tight end. He was going to be more of that Jack Doyle, you know, kind of mold type of tight end, you know, more of the run blocker tight end. But he's shown some things, you know, in camp so far. And so I think it's very likely the Colts keep all four of these guys because the talent is tremendous. Ballard even went on the McAfee show, Pat McAfee show a couple of days ago. And he said, yeah, you know, outside of, oh, we have two, even three, you know, really talented tight ends. So you got to think he's talking about all, all four of these tight ends that he's excited about. So I think it would be really likely that the Colts would keep four tight ends. Um, but I do think if they keep three, I do still think that Granson's going to make it because I do think he offers something different, like I talked about. Oh, 100% agree with you. And then we go to the running back room, like I mentioned. We kind of already know who the top, two running backs are, but behind it, you have an insane matchup between a bunch of these guys, right? And it's kind of been hard to separate who's been better, you know, because we've seen Philip Lindsay have good uh, days. We've seen Devontae Price have some good days. He was good when you and I were there. CJ Verdell earlier this week had a couple really good runs in the 11 on 11s. You had uh, Tyson Williams have a couple good ones in the first week of camp. So, you've got all these guys that are like going in spurts. They're taking a few moments each week and it's one person or the other. So it's really interesting because we don't really know at this moment, at least from a fan perspective, who is leading in this room. The only the coaches know based off of what they're seeing in the practice itself and the individual drills and everything else that's going on in the locker room that we all don't know. Yep. 
I think if you're making me choose right now, you know, obviously this is subject to change, but I would probably go Lindsay and then CJ Verdell based off of their most recent success. You know, Lindsay feels like he's never going to be the guy that's, oh, oh all, all of a sudden everybody's just like, oh my goodness, he's just been crazy, but he's always just like that solid veteran in there that will give you some nice runs, right? Um, so I think he's, for me, I think he's still running back three right now. And then Verdell recently has had a couple of nice back-to-back days. I do think the Colts keep four running backs. So I think those would be my top four right now. But you're talking about Devontae Price, you know, and some other uh, Tyson Williams, a couple other guys as well uh, that could really, you know, Deion Jackson. Sorry, I, I can't forget him. Uh, yeah. You know, there's so many guys. You're right. And there's so much talent here. So, you know, as easy as I can say, C.J. Verdell. Maybe next week I say Devonte Price. You know, maybe next week I yes. say, you know, whoever. You know, so yeah, many just guys. Just pick a name different. out of the hat. At this exactly. Point. Just pick a name out of the hat. That dude's gonna have a good week. Yeah. Exactly. But I think right now those would probably be my top four guys that are I'm looking at that would make the final roster. But very subject to change, obviously. And we'll see a little bit more. You know, like we talked about in the preseason when yeah. the Colts play next week, we will see a lot more about who kind of stands out. So yeah, very excited about this group nonetheless. There's a lot of young talent here. And I think it's going to just be a great, great matchup to watch RB3 and RB4, you know, the rest of this preseason, the rest of training camp, and just see how many of the Colts do keep when it comes to the final 53-man cuts. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this one, guys. That was our matchups that we have noticed through the first two weeks of the training camp. Let us know your thoughts on these matchups and if there were any others that we need to keep an eye on. Thank you guys again so much for the continued support. And as always, guys, go Colts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.